Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. We're going to read verses 12 to 18, so we'll read quite a few verses today. Um, yeah, I just want to want to preface this. We um, we made mention, I think, even during worship, but Friday night, we, we really felt the Lord come and meet with us. We had a powerful time together in the presence, but one of the things that we really felt was this Revelation 4 and 5 moment. We've just felt like there's a door that was open, um, and for me, you know, if there's if there's a door that's open, then then there's an invitation to go through the door. You know, the door a door exists in the room, not just to look at it like a picture frame. You know, the door exists because it frames out a room that you're supposed to go into, and so even in the Revelation four and five moment, there's this door that appears because he's inviting John to come up here and show to show us things, and I believe in our lives there are moments where the Lord invites us to come through the door like the uh you know, isaiah 22 22 the key of david he opens up the door that no man can shut shuts the door that no man can open there's moments where he hands you a key and invites you to come into places and spaces because he wants to show you something uh he wants to speak to you and i i just for us on friday night we just felt like you know a couple things that was highly was this this entering into the fear of the lord this entering into this place of beholding him and looking at him and, you know, one of the things that the fear of the Lord does is it helps us to be set apart because we, we, you know, as Bill's been challenging us, we can't just live casually when we are encountering the fear of the Lord. We don't just live a life that's uh, wayward. We live a life where we understand there are eternal ramifications to every decision that we make in this life and that this life is but a vapor and is preparing us for an eternal reality and an eternal reward, uh, really the ultimate door that you're going to step through into, into eternity with him. And so there's just this, this thing where the presence of the Lord has been leading us to him, to behold him, uh, to become like him. And, you know, the scripture that if you grew up in a charismatic church or Pentecostal church, you've heard it quoted a lot, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The spirit of the Lord is there is there is liberty, and I think sometimes we think it's liberty to do or be free to be who whatever we want to be, but in the kingdom that's not the case. That's what the world sells us. You know, the freedom of this world, the wisdom of this world says, well, you're free to be whatever you want to be, whoever you want to be, but the freedom where the spirit is Lord is the freedom to be like Him. And so it's not the freedom where you get, oh, you get to do whatever you want now because you're a Christian. No, you get to lay down your old life and become like him and come into that place. And so, um, yeah, Exodus 33. That's not what we're talking about anyway, so that was just free. Um, <laughs> Exodus 33. I'll, I'll say one last thing, you know, because as he's sharing too, we, because we, um, I, I do believe the Lord, life isn't filled with coincidences. I believe there are divine moments where if we can see with the eyes of God, we can recognize that God is speaking. And so we have, my wife and I, Jenny, we had bought a house about a year and a half ago. And, um, and when we first moved in, we, you know, we've not, never been homeowners before. We're trying to figure out how we're going to steward our house, uh, you know, steward our finances, all these different things. It's, it's new territory, uh, literally and figuratively. It's just all new for us. 
So we, we did uh, buy a house that has a lot of grass. And so in the beginning, we decided just to hire someone with the intention that we would we would cut the grass and do our own work. So this is the season where we are deciding to cut our own grass and do pull the weeds and do all these different things. And so, you know, at the end of the fall, we were doing fall cleanup and, you know, cutting down some weeds. And I had a bunch of these sticks. And again, I'm a new homeowner, so don't don't judge me. Uh, so cutting all these sticks and you're supposed to then cut them down and put them in bags and then put them out on whatever night of the week and they'll come and pick it up. So I was being lazy and I just stuck them a bunch like a lot of them in piles and just put it on the side of my house. And honestly, I forgot about it. It stayed there until this year. And so now we're doing um, spring cleaning to set up. And I'm like, oh, these, these sticks are here. And so I was like, no problem. No problem. We'll take care of it. Uh, we have a little fire pit. I'm like, we're just going to burn them because <laughs> it just feels like the easier thing to do. But anyway, the, the whole point that I'm getting to is uh, throughout the year of being in this new house, my wife kept saying, like, there's I don't know, we need to put up a fence. I don't know if it's the neighbor's dog that keeps coming in the backyard, but there's these random droppings everywhere. And like, I don't understand. So we're like, yeah, we'll get a fence. We'll do it, we'll do it. But I'm, but I'm looking like, the people in the back don't have a dog. These guys, they, their dogs, you have to, have, it's, it's fenced in. How are they getting in? We're like looking for holes. There's no holes. Um, but then as we're cleaning up the, the sticks a couple days ago, we see like dozens of droppings by these sticks and realize, oh no, this is not a dog. This is, this is a fox that's living in our backyard that's literally had built a, a little home in, in the sticks <laughs> that I had left there. <laughs> so, you know, built a house. But, you know, so that we removed it and got rid of all those sticks and, and burned some of them up that were big. With We have a little fire pit. We did it in there and, you know, got rid of the other ones, actually bagged them up and put them in the container and put them out, cleaned up the droppings and went out for the next couple of weeks and saw, you know, he had to go find a new home. Um, but you know what? It's sometimes in our life when we are not taking a survey of our hearts, of our land, we can actually create homes for foxes to come in. And, you know, as, as we're coming into this season, one of my prayers that I've been praying over my life and praying over you guys, this church, is God, make us steady. Make us steady. And part of, of stepping into the faithfulness of the Lord and into the steadiness of the Lord and that's by his grace. We have to receive that from God and then steward it. But part of becoming steady is coming in and pruning and gardening our heart. And just as we are going through and, you know, figuring out how to mow a lawn and, like, that weeding stuff is a lot more work than what we're actually realizing. Uh, you know, we had set aside two hours, and I was like, oh, no, we need, like, seven hours. And so, like, this one-day, two-day, two-hour project turned into this three-day uh, hours upon hours project because we underestimated the amount of time and effort it would take to really prune and clean up and pull up the things that don't belong and clean a space so that we can really bring order to our house. And for us spiritually, I think we sometimes casually approach things like uh, communion, like prayer, like inner healing, like deliverance. We kind of like visit it when things seem to flare up. But really, there should be this steadiness and this faithfulness of this walk of the Lord where we come in, we tend to our heart, and we're taking an inventory and saying, like, Lord, are there any foxes that have come in? Are there lies, beliefs, things that have I have built a home for in my life that really you belong in that space? Or I'm even unaware. I had no idea this fox was living here. My wife's thinking this puppy is coming through our backyard. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, up, nuz nestled up against our house is... I don't know, maybe one fox, maybe two. I have no idea how it works. You, know, you don't see the fox. You just see the fruit that it, uh, that it leaves behind. 
No, it's, it's the reality. You see the fruit. And in our lives, sometimes you don't see the thing you need to deal with, but you do see the fruit. And when you see the fruit start to manifest in your life, that's when you know, oh, I need to deal with something. And I need to, and this is where we have community. This is where we have all the different things that we have. And so it's important that we take survey of our lives and we, and we ask the Lord, Lord, make us steady, not just in the, the fun things, not just in the things that we're going after dreams, we're going after vision, we're going after the stuff that we want to do. It's also, let's clean up any of the messes that we have in our lives. Let's take inventory, let's remove the sticks, let's burn them up, let's bag them up, let's send it back where they belong, and let's get healed, delivered, saved, and be made whole. Amen? Amen. All right. Exodus 33. That's your mini sermon. Exodus 33. So what we're talking about today is stewarding the presence of God. Uh, And I want to look at Exodus 33. I want to look at Moses' life. I want to look at a psalm that David wrote. And then we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians, where we start talking about Moses and, and Corinthians. And so let's read together. We're going to go 12 to 18. So Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight. I'm going to read that verse again. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So Moses said to the Lord, he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So Lord said, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said to the Lord, please show me your glory. And we know, many of us know the rest, and the Lord says, you can't see me face to face, but... Uh, if you go in the cleft of the rock, I'll make my glory pass before you. And, and sure enough, the glory of the Lord would pass before Moses. And then Moses would encounter his glory and see his glory. Uh, but a couple of things I want to talk about here. Uh, wh- you know, one of the things I love about Moses, even in this passage, is he, he has multiple requests that he's making of God. And, uh, you know, he, he'll make the first request. And the Lord said, yeah, I'll give you that. And then Moses says, okay, well, if you give me that, then can I make this request? And yeah, I'll give you that too. And if you, give, you know, well, Lord, if you give me that, then can you do this? And he just, he has this understanding that he's, he's, or this reality that he's walking in, that he's not just serving this, this distant God, but he's serving a God that responds and will do things for Moses, you know, according to the will of the Lord, but he'll do things for Moses upon Moses' request because Moses, in a way, was walking in friendship with God. He knew him. I mean, we see it even in the prayer, Lord, if I find grace in your sight, we saw in verse, um, the second half of verse 12, he said, I know you, you have said to me, Lord, I know you by name. And so we see in this beginning of our passage that we're reading that Moses is aware of his identity in the Lord. 
he knows, the Lord knows me by name. He calls out to me. He's my friend, and he knows me by name. There is this intimacy of pursuit that Moses has of the Lord. And he's not just wanting the knowledge of God, which is beautiful in and of itself, but he's also saying in verse 13, Lord, I want to know your ways. See, Moses, he didn't just know God, but he knew the ways of God. And because he knew the ways of God, he was able to see into the culture, to the way that God did things in the heavenly places and bring that into his reality. And so you know, Moses was, was stewarding the knowledge of God, but he was also asking the Lord to show him his ways so that as he's leading the Israelites, as he's uh, coming down or coming back from these places of encounter and bringing the word of the Lord, he was not just bringing what God was saying, but he was bringing a way in which they were going to take the word of the Lord and establish it in their culture and in, in his people. Um, for us, you know, Moses, Moses is kind of giving us this heart pursuit that for us, we live in a new covenant or a New Testament reality. Moses is in the old covenant, but he's in a way, glimpsing into the realities of what New Covenant or New Testament Christianity would look like. He's having these ongoing encounters with, with God. If you remember, the Israelites, they didn't, they didn't want to go up the mountain. They didn't want to go before the presence of the Lord. They said, Moses, you, you go do that for us. And, and he would do it. He would go before the presence of the Lord, and he would get instruction, and he would come bring the instruction to the people. And if you remember, when he would come from the presence of the Lord, his face would glow it would shine and then it would fade away. And so there was this reality that Moses' whole life, his whole leadership, the people that he was leading, it wasn't just according to the way that Moses thought the people should go. It wasn't just according to the ideas that Moses thought Israel should do. Moses truly sought after the Lord and began to get the culture and the ways of heaven and establish it in, in the people of Israel. And so for us, when we're looking at Moses' life and we're comparing it to ourselves, you know, we're, most of us in this room, probably all of us in the room, are not leading a whole nation, right? You know, but we might be leading something. Maybe you're, you're in some sort of leadership uh, in your workplace. Maybe you're in some sort of leadership in some sort of sphere, whether it's the political realm or education realm. Maybe you're in leadership of your household. Maybe you have a family. Maybe you have kids. Uh, maybe at this point you're just you're leading yourself. You're leading your own life. But there's, there's still some sort of responsibility on each one of us to lead, to move forward with vision, to move forward with insight, and to make decisions on how our life, or maybe we're overseeing people or leading a family, our children, our people, our students, you fill in the blank, on how we're going to do certain things. And Moses, Moses his heart was, I, I don't want to just do this stuff. I don't want to just go throughout the wilderness. I don't want to go into this promised land unless we're doing it with you, Lord. And part of doing it with him was doing it according to his word, but doing it with his ways. He knew, he had this intimate relationship with the Lord where he knew God's heart. And he began to lead according to the heart of God. So he says in verse 13, that I may know your way, and that I may know you. And I love this, this part here as well, that I may know you. He, he didn't just serve this distant God. His own people were sending Moses on his behalf, but Moses understood, no, I don't want to send someone to speak to you on my behalf. I want to know you personally. 
And for us, we can, we can become like the Israelites. We can come in on a Sunday morning and just hear the voice of God from a pastor, from a teacher, from a, a ministry team member, and that's the only time that we're hearing God. But Moses is modeling something for us, even in this, in, in this, this passage. Don't, don't be like the Israelites. You have access. We see in 2 Corinthians 3.18, which we'll read in a moment, but we have access to come to the Lord ourselves. And I want to encourage you, as, as your pastor, uh, my prayer, my hope is that, the, that this is not the only time you're hearing the word of the Lord, that this is not the only time you're re- receiving the instruction from God. But like Moses, you go into your secret place. You go into the, to the word of God. You go into this, these times of worship where you say, God, show me your face. I want to know you. My prayer is that you wouldn't just know God through me or through a friend. You know, in the beginning of Christianity, we, we or, or in the beginning of our walk with the Lord, we might be like those people that Paul said, follow Christ, but if you don't know how to, follow me as I follow Christ. But there is this expectation and this invitation that we wouldn't just all our days follow someone who follows Christ, but we would come into a place of maturity where we would know his voice and know his ways and get into this intimate reality where, God, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. I love that you're doing it with these people. I love that my neighbor has been encountering you, but I want to encounter you. I want to be led by you. I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. This is the model that Moses is, Moses is giving even uh, to us today. And that I may know you, that we would know God. You know, I, I say this, this phrase when I've been encouraging us to read the word of God. Because sometimes when we, we come before the scripture, we get a little tripped up. We get a little discouraged. Why? Maybe it's because, like, Rich, I read the word, but I don't always remember what I read. Or maybe I don't understand what I'm reading. And so then you get discouraged, and maybe you'll take a couple days, you're not even opening it because you're a little discouraged. Or maybe the discouragement comes because you're doing a Bible reading plan, and then you've missed a week or two weeks or 90 days. Uh, and then it's just... It, Honestly, this discouragement can come where it's like you don't even want to open up because you're thinking about, well, I don't understand it anyway. I don't remember what I read anyway. I'm so far behind where I wanted to be anyway, and we don't end up coming to it. And so I've said this phrase to you guys. You know, we may not remember what we ate for breakfast three weeks ago, but it still nourished us. And the same way when we come to the Word, you may not always understand what you're reading, you may not always remember what you're reading, but this word is life, and it brings life to our soul and to our spirit. This, this is the bread of life. This is a living word. And when we feast on this word, even in our immaturity, when we don't always remember or we don't, under, always, don't always understand, it still gives benefit to our heart and to our soul, and it changes us. In the same way, what I would like to propose, you to, propose to you today, we can get discouraged before the presence of the Lord. Where we come into a Sunday morning, and maybe in a corporate way, we're, we're kind of like disengaged because we just don't quite uh, feel like worshiping today. We, we're a little bit tired. Maybe you didn't even make it into the building. Maybe you're at home, and you're like, oh, I'm just tired today. I'm just going to stay home, or uh, I don't feel like worshiping. I'm going through this hard season. I, I, I'm, I'm upset. I, w- fill in the blank. And there's this thing that just discourages us from coming into the place of his presence. Uh, or maybe it's in the secret place. And again, this thing comes, well, I want to spend X amount of time every day with the Lord. And we don't quite do that. We don't quite get there. 
And it's just so crazy how we want to do this. We want, we want to set our heart to engage with God, whether it's in the Word, whether it's spending time with Him in worship or just waiting on Him in prayer. And when we don't do what we set out to do, we then don't do it all the more because we're discouraged that we don't do it. And do you see how silly that sounds when you say it out loud? But when we don't acknowledge it and say it out loud, we get into this downward spiral where we just keep avoiding and staying away. It's, it's, that's the foxes. That's the thing that come to spoil the vineyard where the Lord's just saying, no, it's okay. You, you missed it yesterday. Come before me today. Okay, you didn't get in the word for two weeks. That's fine. Come, come meet me in the word today. And so there is this reality in the presence of God as well. When we're spending time and we're practicing his presence, we're practicing stewarding the presence of God. It's not something that we just intuitively know how to do. This is something that is learned. Moses didn't intuitively know how to seek after the presence of God. He had to on purpose seek it out. He had to go through growing pains. He had to go through kind of trial and error. Like I'm going up this mountain. I don't quite, he didn't know what would happen. You know, he gets tablets of stone and then he goes and breaks it. And he doesn't know if he's going to get a second set, but he gets, a, he gets another. You get what I'm saying? Like Moses is, is a man like us. He didn't, he just, he wasn't this guy that was the superstar set out. In fact, he said he was afraid of his own speech, which is crazy to me because it didn't say that of him when he was leading in Egypt. He was leading in Pharaoh's house with confidence, but yet when he came into the house of God, all of a sudden this fear comes over him. And for us, sometimes we look at someone like Moses or maybe a pastor or a leader or fill in the blank with your favorite, you know, guy that, or girl that you listen to on YouTube, and you're like, oh, yeah, they can do that, that stuff. They can enter in. They can hear it from the Lord like that. They can un have understanding in the Scripture. Of course, they would be able to, to spend all every day for this X amount of time in the secret place, because that's them, but I don't know about me. I, I'm, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the ability, and we get into this thing where we think it's reserved for the elite or the man of God, but this invitation is for all of us. Every person in this room that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior and has received him, you have access to the throne of God. Why? Because it's by his blood. It's by his blood. It's nothing you've earned, but as we see in the scripture, Moses realized, I found grace in the sight of God to come before him and to learn his ways. And so Moses says, okay, well, Lord, if I do have this grace that you say that I have, show me your ways. If I do have this grace that you say I have, I want to know you. If I do have this grace that you say I have, show me your glory. If I do have this grace that you say that I have, then don't let me depart from this place without you because I don't want to go without you. Moses understood all of this he got was by the grace of God. And for us today, all of this access, all of this invitation is by his grace. You weren't able to earn it anyway. So this whole thing of maybe it's just for them, it's not for me, is a lack of understanding that the, the guy or girl you're putting on this pedestal is only in that place by the grace of God. And you have access to the very same grace to come before the presence of the Lord and to be carriers and stewards of his presence in your everyday life. The one thing that it takes is not your effort. It's not the, your accolades or you earning it. The thing that it takes is your pursuit. 
Moses set in his heart to pursue the ways of God, to pursue the knowledge of God. Amen. Come on, we get it. I got a little amen. At least she's talking back to me today. He set in his heart to pursue God, and God responded. Verse 14, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Moses understood that the only thing that would set the Israelites apart from every other nation, from every other people group, from every other religion, was not their belief system or their practice or what they declared to know, though those were all good and valid and needed. It was his presence going with them that would establish them and set them apart. And for our lives today, you know, we, let, let me read 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you don't want to turn there with me. It's right after Romans. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Well, let's go back. Verse 16. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about the veil that was over his eyes. And verse 16, it says this. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, what is this turning to the Lord? When they come into salvation. That's what he's talking about. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What's the veil? the blinders, right? So you, you come into salvation. In the moment of your salvation, there's a supernatural encounter that takes place that you may not even realize. You had blinders, and when you come to the knowledge of God, the blinders are removed, and now you have ability to see. Now, you have to mature in your seeing because you don't quite know what you're supposed to be looking at or how to look, but there is now the ability to do it that you didn't have before. And so the veil is taken away, and now the Lord is the Spirit, And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, all of this that's happening is this salvation that's leading to all these things. This is all by the mercy and the grace of God. So remember that. This is by the mercy and the grace of God. No one's doing this in this, their own effort. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the new believer. You return to him. The eyes are opened. We can see clearly. The Holy Spirit comes. He's bringing freedom where he's Lord. I don't know if you know that Jesus is Lord, but the Holy Spirit is also Lord. Right? There's freedom. And when we behold him, when we look at him, we reflect him. And we have this ability by the grace of, and power of the Holy Spirit to become like him. Moses, when he came down the mountain, when he came out of the presence of God, his face would shine. They would recognize. They knew what the people knew what that was. That's the glory of the Lord. It would fade. We get to come. Moses went with a veiled face, right? We get to come with unveiled face before the glory of God. Only the glory that we are acquiring by the grace of God is not a glory that fades. It's a glory that remains and actually shines out from us. Because in Moses' day, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, 
and rests on them for a purpose, for a task, for a, a, a communicative purpose, but he would come upon them and then he would lift. In our day, when Jesus died, rose, uh, rose again, uh, he said to the disciples in that, in that uh, time frame, he said, it's better that I go because the helper's going to come. We know the Acts 1, the Acts 2, they're waiting on the Lord in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes, falls upon them. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we see these ongoing outpourings of the Holy Spirit throughout the early church. But they, we now, and they 2,000 years ago, got invited into this reality where the Holy Spirit doesn't just come rest upon you for a purpose or for a mission, but he comes and he dwells inside of you. And so we have Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And because we have Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, that is what gives us the continued ability to see. The continued ability to enter into the, you've been crucified with Christ, you've been buried with Christ, you were raised with Christ, and now you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Meaning, because of the work of Christ and his blood and the, the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us, we have access into the throne of God. What is the throne of God? It's the place of his presence. David in Psalm 27, 4, he, he prays this prayer. We've, we quote it here all the time. We pray it all the time. It's one of the heartbeats of this house. But it's Psalm 27, 4. It's the one thing have I desired of the Lord. This one thing I will seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. And so when he says this phrase, this one thing I've desired to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What is the house of the Lord? Because David wasn't making this vow, this commitment to just be in a physical building forever. He wasn't saying I'm going to be in a room. The, the point he was making is I'm going to be in the place where your presence is. This is the one thing I understand that is needed. And David is the guy that, that God says, this is a man that's after my own heart. David caught a glimpse of the ways and the heart of God and says, okay, I, I see you and I know you and I know the one thing that I need is to continually be in the place of your presence. Amen. We see it in Jacob's uh, encounter, right? Jacob's vision or dream. He has this vision of the ladder, Jacob's ladder, angels ascending and descending, going up and down. And when he wakes up or he comes up out of that vision, he says this phrase, he says, uh, surely God is in this place, and I did not know it. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And he gives us language of what the house of God looks like. One of the attributes of the house of God is this is a, of the place where heaven meets earth. This is the place where angels are ascending and descending. This is the place of the presence of God. He says this is none other than the gate of heaven. What's a gate? You know, if you have a house, you have a property, or you're going into, you know, a building, there's a gate. You, you step through the gate. You're going from public property to private property. Your gate, you're going from the backyard to the front yard. The gate is a place of transition. It takes you from one place to the next. And it says the gate of heaven. You know, the, the, the house of God is the place where heaven meets earth. The house of God is the place where we can access the heavenly realm. We can access his presence. This kind of making sense? You guys are with me. Okay, stick with me. This is not Exodus. I'm going back to Exodus 33. All right. So back to the story with Moses. 
tells, he tells them, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up, for how will they know that we're your people unless you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the earth who are upon the face of the earth. And so Lord, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I love that phrase. Again, we, we just see how Moses says to the Lord, I know you've given me grace and you say you know me by name. And then here the Lord says again, okay, I will do this because I do know you by name. I mean, there, th this is a conversation. I mean, sometimes we think of this and we're like, oh, this is this dr dramatic. It is dramatic, but we, we, like, uh, we make it a, a, a theater. We, make, we think it's this big production. But this is a, a profound yet simple conversation that Moses is having with God and that God is having with Moses. You have the same ability to engage with God, to speak to him, and he will speak to you. And to say things, you know, I'll, I'll do this too. I'll, I'll open up the scriptures, right? And I'll just find phrases where the Lord begins to call believers names. Why? Because we spend our whole lives identifying by names that other people have called us. Not good enough. Stupid. Idiot. Well, you're high stress. You're high anxiety. You're the, we, we identify with all these names. And so part of the things that helps us come into truth is I've opened up the scripture and, and I'll begin to read things that he says about believers. And I'll read it over my life. And I'll start speaking to Rich, to my soul. If David spoke to his soul, then it's okay for me to speak to my soul, right? And so I'll say, Rich, he, you're a saint. You're a holy one. Ephesians 1, to the saints. You're a holy one. Rich, you're in Christ. You have more than enough. You do not lack a single thing. Rich, you're chosen. You're a priesthood. What does that mean? No, Rich, it doesn't matter what you did in your life. You actually can come before the presence of God the way that you are, and you can minister to the Lord. It's not just for the, the man of God, the woman of God. It's for every single person. And I'll begin to read the truth over, and then in those moments, then I'll sit and I'll listen and say, okay, God, what do you say about me? And many times he'll just speak back the things that I've been speaking to him. But it begins to move our heart and make us come alive. This is what Moses was doing. He says, he's praying. He's saying, God, you said I know you by name. You said I have grace. And the Lord responds to him. And he says, yeah, Moses, I will do this because you have found grace in my sight. And I do know you by name. And there's this thing where he continues to solidify and build brick after brick, block after block, this house of intimacy with the Lord through simple conversation and engagement with God. As you stick with this, as you stay uh, in the word of God, as you continue to pursue the presence of God, he will build your life brick by brick. He will build your life stone by stone. He will build your life in a way where there is a house, there is a stronghold. You know, you can have good strongholds too. It's not just the strongholds we're breaking, but he wants to build a stronghold of intimacy. He wants to build a stronghold of hope. He wants to build a stronghold of faith. He wants to build a stronghold of the value of the presence of God, not just in your church, in your life as an individual and as a leader. And I've said this here often, and I declare it over you today. Just because your name is not on a wall or on a, a, a website somewhere doesn't mean you're not a leader. You are a leader because you are commissioned to be a leader in the kingdom of God. 
You're commissioned to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And if you are an ambassador, then you are a, a representation of God. And if you're representing him, you are leading an aspect of his reality to this world. And you're called to lead your own life. And so there is this maturity that God is inviting us into. And specifically, specifically today, I believe he wants to invite us into this maturity of stewarding the presence of God. We see this in Moses' life where he, he didn't, at this point, you're, you're, they're in the wilderness, they're getting the manna, he's got the, the fire at night, the cloud by day, and he's saying, okay, we're, we're coming towards the finish line, Moses, I'm gonna bring you, you know, this scene is happening because he's like, here's the next step, we're gonna, we're gonna usher Israel into the promised land. He's like, okay, God, we'll, we'll do this. We're gonna, we're gonna work this out together. I got the assignment. I hear the assignment, Lord. I got the actions, I got the strategy, I, I, I hear what you're wanting me to do. But Moses knew just because he got the assignment doesn't mean he's just going to go and do it. He's going to make sure he's going to go and do what God asked him to do with God. He's like, God, I don't want just an angel to come with me. I want you to go with me. God, I don't want just Aaron to come with me. I want you to go with me. And he began to understand at this point in his life, later in his years, it is not worth doing this life outside of the presence of God. In fact, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with the presence here than go into the promised land of the provision of the land without your, your presence. I don't want it. I don't want the riches. I don't want the new car. I don't want the house. Maybe you've invited me to go these, into these things and have these things. I don't want the new position. I don't want the favor. I don't want... All of these things, fill in the blank. I don't want the American dream unless you go with me. I'd rather stay in the struggle with your presence than live in the land I want to live without you. This is what he's saying. This is what he's doing. And he's telling them, I'm going to go, I'm going to lead you guys into the promised land. He said, well, God, I'm not going unless you go with me. And I, I can't help but, but, but believe that God is sitting there smiling, saying, you got it, Moses. That's the response that I was looking for. And then Moses ups the end. He says, okay, I got that. Now show me your glory. And I feel like the Lord smiles at him again. He's like, I can't show you my face. That's going to happen one day. But for now, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of this rock, and I'm going to give you a glimpse of something that will happen years later when my son comes. Years later when the Holy Spirit falls, I'm going to give you a glimpse of something, and I'm going to let my glory pass before you. I'm going to give you access. I'm going to veil your face. It's going to be dim. But one day there will be a people who behold me with clear eyes, as in a mirror, crystal clear, the glory of God. We're going to reflect him. This is what we're called to. And the beautiful thing is when we talk about this, as we're talking about it, you feel the presence of the Lord in this room? As we begin to talk about him and acknowledge the Holy Spirit, acknowledge the Lord in space and, and, and saying, Lord, this is, this is how we're going to commit. This is part of asking God to make us steady. Lord, make me steady in my pursuit of your presence, in my pursuit of your ways, in my pursuit of your face. Make me steady with you, with your presence. You know, when I was in, um, I've told the story here before, but I felt to tell it again today. When I was in, Sixth grade, I, you know, I grew up in church. Our church had pews, like the old school pews. And I remember just growing up in church, even before sixth grade, just being a little one. I have three kids now. 
You know, I remember I probably should use some of those strategies to start handing them crayons. And the <laughs> well, they worship now too, which is great. Anyway, that's not the point. So I, I remember taking, uh, you know, my, my parents handed me offering envelopes, uh, not to give, they rip it open, hand me crayons because they wanted, you know, be quiet. They had four boys, just don't, don't be so loud in service color. They're just there doing it, and then we'd get to kids' church after X amount of minutes. But I remember that just being in church week after week. We'd go on Sundays. We'd go on Wednesdays. We, you know, we were in church. But I'm a kid. I don't quite know what's going on. You know, we're kids. We're just we're having fun. We're there to see our friends. Uh, you know, we're there. It's just part of our routine. And honestly, whatever you do w- with your parents, you don't really know what's going on. You're just, you're with them. <laughs> you're with them. Like, we're going, we're going everywhere. And so we would go to church, and I grew up in church. And I remember in sixth grade, um, or I, it was the summer leading fifth grade summer going, I was going to go into sixth grade. So I was joining the youth group. Youth group was going to a conference. They let us go uh, that year. Um, I forget. Uh, th- those details don't matter. But anyway, we go to the conference. And uh, even to this day, I probably, I couldn't tell you about the sermon that was preached. I, I couldn't tell you about what songs that we sang um, I couldn't tell you much of what was communicated, right? I, th- those weren't the things that I, I ended up remembering. And in my experience, a lot of the times th- this is the case with, with, with times of outpouring. For me, the, I had a personal outpouring experience at this conference. I'm in the back of the room. It was, I don't remember if it was worship before the sermon or worship after the sermon. I do remember that you know, people were dancing around. Um, but I, what happened is I'm there. And I begin to feel something, but for the first time, because I've, I've felt stuff before. I've felt something, I've felt things in worship. I've felt things I've, as I watched people minister. I've felt physically things were when someone's speaking. But for the first time in sixth grade, I, I started to feel what I would normally feel. But what came with the feeling was understanding that this was God. It was the revelation for the first time in my life as a young person, you know, fifth grade going to sixth grade. Oh, oh, this thing this feeling that I'm having in my heart, oh, this is you, Lord. And for the first time in my life, I began to realize that this presence that I was encountering, this was the God who I serve. And then as years went on, I would think back on that moment, and I would think back on, the, on my earlier years, even before that, just being in those pews, coloring on offering envelopes. Oh, wow, just coloring on those envelopes, that thing I felt, that was you, Lord. I didn't know it was you. But I was experiencing your presence even as a young person. And sometimes we don't realize, even in the moments where, you know, I still have this now, right? Now I've, I've encountered the Lord. I've, I've recognized his presence in my life. But sometimes I'll come into church. I'll come into a service, come into a prayer meeting. We're not, we're not always, like, that excited to be here, if I'm being completely honest. Sometimes you come in and you're just, you're tired, Sometimes you come in, there's a lot going on, a lot going on at home, a lot going on at work, and your mind just keeps racing to all these other places. I've had so many moments being in worship, and it just feels like I can't focus on God. And we'll be singing a song, and all of a sudden I find myself thinking of the taxes that need to get done. And then I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? It's like, Rich, engage. Like, we don't need, then it's like, go back into worship, then all of a sudden the taxes again. It's like, like, why does my mind keep wandering? Or maybe it's like there's something hard going on, and you're just thinking about a hard conversation, and we just, we just get distracted. We get 
and we end up going, we may go through a whole worship service and we never engage with God. We may have gone through a whole service in general, the speaking, we didn't take notes, we didn't, we're just distracted. We're just busy. There's all these other things that we've become distracted with in those moments. But I want to tell you something. Even in the moment of distraction, just being in the room has an effect on your life. Just being near the place of his presence has an effect on your life. And I say that to say this, sometimes we get in those seasons and we feel, do you know what? If I'm not going to engage, then I'm just going to stay home. And then we end up distancing ourselves and then we're home for a week. We're home for two weeks. We're home for three weeks. We're home for four months. And it begins to, to multiply. And we, we have this thing because we were feeling discouraged. And I just, I just want to bring to realization to you, God wastes nothing and he gets you ready. Even in the seasons where it feels hard to engage, both in worship corporately or worship at home, in the, in the word or when you're reading the word at home, where you just feel distracted, you feel broken, you just feel like I'm just here. It took all my effort to just be here. I just want to tell you, even if it took all your effort to just be here today and there's nothing else that you can do, the Lord is looking at you and smiling that you're just here in the place of his presence. And he is going to use that weak pursuit and produce fruit in your life from just the weak. Because it's not up to your effort or your work anyway. It's by his grace. But let me tell you something. If you stick with it, if you keep showing up to him, and I do mean corporately, but I also mean in the secret place. If you keep coming before his word, if you keep coming before his presence, if you keep coming before his face, I'm telling you, it won't be long until it begins to open up the door of revelation in your life. And you'll begin to speak and you'll begin to hear clearer and you'll begin to see clearer. If I can have the worship team come up. One of the other things I've been praying you know, I've, I've prayed it for, for over 10 years, but in the last year and a half, I've been praying it over and over and over again. It's the Ephesians 1 prayer. It's the Ephesians 3 prayer. You've heard me pray it most likely if you've been here. I've been praying, God, open up our eyes and open up our ears. Lord, open up our eyes for what? I want to see you and I want to hear you. I want to see you and I want to hear you. I want to know your ways. I want to comprehend with all the saints what is the height the width, the length, the depth of the love of God, which passes understanding. Right there in the prayer, we already realize this thing can only be encountered past our understanding, meaning your mind isn't going to enter into it. Your heart has to. Sometimes we get so caught up with, we have to understand everything that God's doing, or we have to understand how exactly everything works before we can engage God with our heart. And the Lord's just saying, would you just open up your heart to me? Would you open up yourself to me? And I will add, and I will bring understanding, and I will bring revelation. And so I've been asking the Lord for my life, and I've been asking the Lord for your life. Open up the eyes. Open up the ears. What does it lead to? The Ephesians 3, the, the end of the prayer says that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And I don't know about you, but I've not, I've not gotten to the place of being filled with all the fullness yet. I know that there is more. And as we're talking about today, the invitation for us, or really the prayer that I've been praying for us, and I hope it's a prayer that you would pick up today too. It's God, I, I want to be a, a good steward of your presence. I want to be a good steward of your presence in my life. And the beautiful thing is, I think God, I know God, 
he desires this even more than we do. I think we see it because of his prayer in John 15, 16, 17. As he's praying for us, he's praying to the Father. John 17, he prays, he says, God, or Father, I desire that these whom you've given me, that they would be with me where I am. This desire in his heart to be with us, to commune with us. You know, we say this phrase, steward the presence of God. What does that mean? His presence is, is him being present with us. And I want to come into a reality of my life where every day, every step I take is with him in mind. Where before I get in the car, maybe even before I go leave to get in the train or on the bus or walking, before I step out of, of my house or, or my apartment, whatever it is, maybe I pause at the door and I say, God, come with me. I acknowledge your presence with me. It's more than just, I want to know it more than just a doctrinal or biblical reality that he is always with me because he dwells in me. But I want to have an experiential reality with you, Lord. Come with me. Maybe I'm on the bus and I didn't do it when I left the house, but I remember on the bus. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm on this bus. I'm going where I'm going. Lord, make me more aware of your presence that's with me right now. Maybe I'm at the workplace. I'm at the desk. I'm at the school. I'm at the construction site, wherever it is that we're going. Maybe I'm a student. Maybe I'm in class. Maybe I'm home, you know, watching over. The, whatever it is with the kids, it's it, taking the moment, pausing and saying, God, make me more aware of your presence right now. Like Moses, I don't want to do the missions and the tasks of this life unless you go with me. Because then how will I be any different than anyone else at any other desk here, than any other student, than any other of my coworkers, than anyone? How, how, how can it be that my life becomes a living epistle, a living gospel, that when I'm walking and stewarding your presence in such a way that when people encounter me, they don't just encounter me, they encounter the God inside of me. To be a people who carry the presence of God in such a way, when we walk into places, the atmosphere shifts because heaven came in with us. And the impossible becomes possible because the God of the impossible is with us. And because we have become a people who recognize the God with us in our everyday you can stand with me. You know, when I was preparing for t today, I asked the Lord, what, what would you like me to share? I, I felt him say the phrase. I heard him say the phrase, I want you to talk about stewarding my presence. And so, you know, I'm preparing and going in, and, you know, normally I have a lot of notes that I come in with, but I really felt like, the verse that kept shouting in the back of my mind is, Rich, you don't, I didn't ask you to come with persuasive words of human wisdom, but demonstrations of the spirit of power. For me, what he was speaking in that moment is, Rich, this is simple. I'm not asking you to speak a profound message or this eloquent message. And so what I'm bringing to you today, it's, it's a simple message. It's a simple invitation. You serve a God who desires to be with you. You serve a God who gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is Lord. He is God. And He goes with you. And you serve a God who's given you the ability to carry Him and to demonstrate 
his kingdom wherever you go. And I want to pray for us today that we would enter into the grace like Moses was saying. It's by your grace you've shown me your ways. It's by your grace you'll bring a revelation of the knowledge of God and I'll know you. It's by your grace that you'll go with me and it's by your grace that you'll allow your glory to pass before me. And I want to pray the same grace over you guys that you would come to know his ways. That you would come to know him intimately. We know him as our savior, but to know him as our friend. That in everything you would do, you say, God, come with me. And that ultimately we, we even be led to pray the bold prayer. Okay, God, show me your glory. Father, I pray for your people today. I pray for your sons and daughters in this house. We want to know your ways. I believe we have found grace in your sight. This free gift of grace to know your ways, to know you intimately, to go with you and like Adam, walk in the cool of the day with you. That every step we take would be with your Holy Spirit in mind. That there would be a cry that comes out of this house and this people. Show me your face, Lord. Show me your glory. We want to behold you as in a mirror. We want to be transformed into your likeness. Show us your glory, God. As individuals and as a corporate body, we ask, show us your glory. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.